Ayers on the Road, value-based parenting and life balance ideas from world-traveling family coaches. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. Well, hello there and aloha. <laughs> we are still on the road, um, actually just through the trees and through the ferns and by the ocean. We're sorry. One, <laughs> sorry one, to say that. <laughs> you don't need to apologize. We're working hard over here. We're getting work done. We're we're cleaning up all the things we weren't able to get done on the busy mainland, right? And I'll tell you one thing about Hawaii that many of you know, and that is if you don't like the weather, just wait five minutes. <laughs> right. Or once in a while a day. Yeah. <laughs> we did have one whole day of torrential rain, which is so exciting because they needed it so much. And don't trust the weather forecast. I mean, if you look on the Weather Channel... It'll tell you one thing now, but it, it, they are trying to keep it updated. So it might tell you another thing in 10 minutes. That's right. <laughs> Absolutely no rain. And then bam, and there it is. But wow, what a beautiful place and what a great place to work. We really are. I'm I'm working. You're working. We're working. Um, we're working hard. But we're also playing. And so it is really, really lovely. We're working on a couple of books. We're going to get to that in a minute and some articles and some podcasts and some family history. Some family history. Um, I'm going through all of our, we have eight around the world um, trips that we did with the President's Organization and Entrepreneurs Organization. Speaking trips in our and day tours. In the last 15 years. And it is really fun to go back and find all. I, I did a blog at the time, so I'm collecting it all, putting in documents. Bless your heart, Linda, for the records you've kept in for that blog, because, you know, I mean, we're we're looking at things now, and, and we're just amazed at how much we've forgotten and how, uh, you know, how, how extensive some of our travel was back in the day. Back in the day when we started this podcast, actually, 14 years ago. We're in our 14th season now, and back in those early seasons, that's why it's called Ayers on the Road. We were always on the road, or so it seemed. We'd raised our, you know, we'd become, <laughs> I hate the term empty nesters because it's so inaccurate, but <laughs> we, you know, our last daughter had gone off to college and on her mission, and so we were able to start accepting pretty much all these speaking invitations we got and we were traveling. And I think there was one year when we were only home 100 of the days and we were gone all the rest of the days and they were book tours. They were speaking tours. They were, they were sometimes pretty extensive and we'd forgotten so much. And now going back through and looking at the pictures and reading some of the things we were doing, it feels pretty mm -hmm. exotic. Well, we are, we're so lucky, so blessed to be able to do that. And I've been working on one uh, this week on Australia. We started in Tas Tasmania, Tasmania and then went to and all over Australia, all four or five cities. Then we went to uh, Asia, Hong Kong, Shenzhen, uh, Taiwan, uh, Shanghai, Great Wall. I mean, it really was an amazing experience. We, I don't know if we really, we did have a lot of appreciation for it at the time, but looking back, we just realized, wow, 
This is amazing. Well, maybe we've just justified the term Irish on the road. We, we've spoken in more than 50 countries, and we've traveled to more than 100 countries. Now, we have a little disagreement on that because... <laughs> You're counting Alaska as a separate country. <laughs> well, we found this thing. Someone sent us a thing saying, join the Century Club. You can join if you've visited more than 100 countries. And then, so just for fun, we were going through it. And sure enough, we got up to about 104. But, you know, the problem is they're pretty liberal in their counting. Like um, Puerto Rico is a separate country and Alaska is a separate country. <laughs> so give it up. Give it up. You haven't got, been to that many. But it is I mean, the world. I mean, what we learned from all that, I'm in, in South Asia, Southeast Asia right now, in Vietnam and Cambodia and As you're, the Jakarta and yeah. Indonesia and all those beautiful places, Singapore. And what we've learned is that parents are the same all over the world. They want the same thing for their children. And no matter where they are or what they've been through, and some of them have been through amazing, amazing experiences. Um, and well, and, and keep in mind that what we're what that the audiences we're speaking to on basically all of these engagements are our family, their their parents, their marriage partners, because that's our topic, that's our discussion, that's our that's our subject matter, and the. And and now I think what you're saying that sorry to interrupt, but let me get right back to, to I think we're we we see this world and we read about the division and the polarization and sometimes we write about it ourselves in a political way, but we keep going back to what you just said, honey, that that we're more united as a world than we think we are because we're all so concerned and our paradigms are all centered on our families. That's the relationships that matter. And it doesn't matter where you are on the earth or what religion or what culture you're in. People, when they talk about their children and their families, are the same. They are the same, and they have similar experiences no matter where you are. I just read a story that I had totally forgotten. This darling lady in Jakarta, and these are all business people. We had these lovely business uh, dinners and then we would give a speech after this dinner and i sat by a woman who in jakarta who uh said that she was there uh when there there was, there was a bombing she was at the marriott hotel when there was a bombing some of it you was, remember that in indonesia that <laughs> tragic terrorist bomb oh my gosh it was horrible but she said i went to the buffet to get some food. And then for some reason, I decided to go back instead of going to my seat. I went to the back of the room. And just then the bomb hit and she said, my seat was demolished. And she said, I ran through the lobby and there were things, big, huge timbers falling down and people bloody everywhere and so on. And she said, it was amazing. And I went out where we came in six cars all the cars and the people that were in them were gone. And she said it was so incredible, but just the little miracles happened all the well, way along. She the way. was saying all, all I could think of was my family. So it just illustrates the point that when there's a crisis or when there's any sort of danger, the first thing we always think of is our family. Well, the interesting thing was after that, she said, I decided to become religious. She just thought there must be a God. If I was saved and it was 
very obvious that she was supposed to stay here, that she became a, a dedicated Muslim. She said, this man threw himself over me to protect me. And then the wildest part of the story was that she ended up marrying him. And, and I, he was there with this little girl that they'd had. I mean, it was just an amazing story. Oh, I mean, stories. that didn't happen every day, but there were some fabulous stories like that that just made me realize, ah, these families are the most important thing in the world to them. Well, everyone and everyone has a family and everyone has a story. And one of the things I admire about you, honey, one thing you're gifted at is whether you're sitting by someone on a plane or meeting someone somewhere else, any stranger, any chance you have to get in a conversation with them, you ask them about their family. And that opens everything. Well, it is fascinating. Everybody has a story. And it all comes back to relationships. It all comes back to relationships with your family, with your spouse, your friends, people that you love. And so it was amazing. It was an amazing experience. Which kind of leads in indirectly, I guess, to our subject matter today. Our topic on Ours on the Road is books. Books, marvelous books. <clears throat> and these were book tours. These were speaking tours. These were trips and travel related to our books and, and but we're not talking some, about our books well we're talking, no 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 yeah <laughs> we're talking about the the generic term books what a term what a marvelous term we want to talk about books and we want to end up talking about our books only from the standpoint of sharing what we're doing right now and sort of our books journey and linda you know, every once in a while you come across an article, books are dead, books are gone, it's all it's all online, everything is electronic now, no more books. And uh, don't ever believe it, folks, because there are more books published every year than the year before. There are 10 times more books being published now than there were just a couple of decades ago because publishing is easier, more accessible to more people. And books... I, I read on Kindle, and I read online, and so do all of us. But, you know, there's something about a book. You can hold it in your hand. You can mark it. You can find the right thing because your mind somehow remembers where it was on a page. I mean, books are magic. Um, and books are civilization. Without books, would there be any civilization? It's true. But it's also true that they're heavy. Um, so Especially one of the ones we, I brought we, here. We brought one here called Outlive, and it's quite an amazing uh, story Outweigh. about your It medical. should be called Outweigh. <laughs> if, if you're it's so big. So I really have been, uh, and many of you probably are go going online, uh, it's just so hard to carry books anymore. But mm -hmm. it, there is something about actually having a book in your hand. What do you love about books, honey? What do you love most? Oh, they take you to a different world, a world that you had never known. In fact, we read the classic book, American classic book, but it actually became a worldwide classic, which is really wild. <laughs> in our book club. Last week in our Huckleberry book club. Finn. And it was Huckleberry Finn. We've got a member of our book club that believes it is the classic. Well, and she, in good company, Hemingway said it was the greatest American yeah. novel. And she actually was an English teacher. And so she did a beautiful review on it. But wow, it just taught us so much about a world that we will never know. 
unless we can sit down with the book and read about it. Still, we never know. I love old books. If you could walk in our library, um, old books. The whole time we were in England, living in England for many years, we were we were. It's a mecca for old books, and old books are beautiful, and they're. There's something about them. You just want to handle them, especially the beautifully bound ones that are there. And they're they're a light. They shed light on the earth. Um, I just I just love books, and you know I wish I don't. Don't you sometimes think if you just had a day with nothing else to do and could sit in the library and read all day? That's the, the oh, definition of a that. perfect I day. I would love that. Except it even be better if you were out in the in the uh, nature. And I remember once, I'm trying to think of the context, Linda, you said, I I wouldn't mind going to jail if I could just sit in my cell and read all day. Oh, oh it was more than that. It was when all the kids were home and we took our young women in our organization at our, at our church to the prison. And Oh my gosh, I just had a whole ton of little kids. It was so hard. And then I was doing this with these young women. And we went into the solitary confinement place, you know, had these big, thick walls <laughs> and everything. And I just thought, leave me here with a pile of books. I would love that. I would love that. But I mean, just kidding, really. But it really is um, such a getaway from the world. I think my favorite, one of my favorite books, and I still remember it, so many details from it, was The Hiding Place. And the story of Corey Ten Boom in the war, who was in the concentration camp with their sister. I just will never forget some of those images. I mean, I've read a lot of things that I've totally forgotten, but <laughs> there are so many things like that, uh, that in the end, she became a speaker. And then the guy who was her guard, who had been so wicked to her, had been a part of, of the reason for the death of her sister came to her speech and went up and put his hand out afterwards and said, that was such a wonderful speech. And she said, it was so hard to reach my hand out, but I did. I mean, things like that, the triumph of the human spirit that comes in books is so amazing. Well, so, so far you probably know, you probably already knew that we love books and you know, we probably belong to way too many book clubs and we love what Benjamin Franklin said, that everyone should always have two books with him, the one he's reading and the one he's writing. We love books. And after the little break, we're going to be a little more personal. We're going to talk about where we are on our book journey and what we're working on right now that may be relevant to some of you. And um, when people ask us, hey, have you retired? We're like, no, 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 no. Old Old authors don't retire. They just sort of fade away. But in our case, we've got so many things we want to write. We've got this list of books we want to write. And which ones we'll get to is anyone's guess. You're very liberal with the word we, honey. Because, you know, at the one point I said, okay, I'm done. I'm done. I can't do that anymore. It's so hard for me. The editing is just miserable. And you absolutely love editing. You I love, love the editing because you're taking it from a first draft to a second to a third. You can feel it getting better. It's part, <laughs> hopefully, it's part of the creative process. But stay with us and we'll come back and be a little more personal about our book journey and what we're doing right now. Hang on. Welcome back to Ayers on the Road. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. 
And we're back talking about books. We hope that you're thinking about some of your favorite books as we go through this because uh, books can change lives. Um, There's so many amazing things that you can learn from books. Um, I, I think as, as I've been looking, thinking about this, it just is astonishing the things that I have learned from things that I have incorporated. I forget 90% of things, but you know, there's that part little, of, your level of thing you remember forever as part of your fiber. Well, let's jump to the end of our, let's jump to the future because one of the things that happens when you're an author, when your livelihood is writing is that you worry a lot about, well, am I reaching the audience I want to reach? And are my books going to stay in print? And are they just going to go away and they'll be like they've never been here and so on. But, but books do have a certain permanence, especially today. And, and one of our goals that I think those who know us understand pretty well is we, we want all of our books to be free. We want them to be easily accessible. We want anyone who wants them anywhere in the world to be able to get them quickly and without any cost. And you may say, well, that's not how books work, but but it is in a way. And we have a, a site now called IrishFreeBooks.com, and it it lists all of our books, and it you can click on the ones that we have the copyright for now that's reverted to us from publishers. And more than half of our 62 books on that list are free. And our goal is to have them all be free at some point. And we'll see what happens, but they'll be there forever unless the web, unless the, uh, unless the internet goes away. And oh, which is not going still, but I'm not saying I'm not going back on what I said. A physical book is a marvelous thing, but it's it's good to have it in a place where anyone can get it, and that's what we really want to have happen. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, as I said before, we went to the break. We hope you're thinking of your books, your favorite books, the things that you love to read and sometimes reread. I don't very often go back and reread things, but you do. Um, it's really fascinating what a book can do with you, whether you're reading it or writing it. So what are so right now, just to be a little personal, Linda's working so hard on this family history, mainly for our children and for our grandchildren. And it includes these long round the world trips and so on, but it includes so many other things. And we do have a publisher who believes that in some form, not in its full form that we're writing for our family, but that in some form it ought to be published. And the working title is Funner by the Dozen, <laughs> sort of the adventures of this crazy big family that, that <laughs> travels way too much and that uh, does goofy things and so on. And well, you know, that part of what you're doing may filter into that book if it ever becomes a reality. Well, we actually, I have to say that we announce that to our kids on a Zoom call because we're not always with them. We do a lot of Zoom calls, <laughs> not a lot, you know, every other week or something right now, but once a month sometimes. Anyway, we announced that name and they went, Dad, no, 
You cannot. Well, well, they're have too that young name. to remember cheaper is... by the dozen, so they don't know what we're talking about. <laughs> but funner by the dozen, and then we're we're working on the, the, our number one national bestseller, "Teaching Your Children Values." Can you believe, Linda? It's been thirty years since it was published, and we're working on a new edition. Because what's interesting is that the twelve values that that book teaches and tries to help parents learn to teach never change. They're timeless. In fact, they're probably needed more today than ever before. But the circumstances that surround them, the threats to those values have all changed. And so it's really a perfect time to revise it and so on. And we're working on that. And we think that'll be ready to go in a year or, or two. And then grandchildren books. We're, we're, we're working with our grandchildren, actually, on doing a book with them about some of the secrets we've talked about and some of the principles of life that we've tried to teach them and that they have stories about that they can share. You better give some examples of that because they probably don't have any idea what you're talking about. Well, you know, there there was, uh, we published an article in, in a church magazine called the Liahona on grandfather's secrets. And it was just the idea that, you know, I am trying to be a decent grandpa because Linda is such a fabulous Grammy. I wanted to do something. And I, I decided I had like 10 principles or 10 things I wished I could pass on to my grandchildren that would become a legacy, a moral legacy, a values legacy, a family legacy, and I introduced them to the kids and one one reunion to some of the grandkids and called them grandfather's principles and it fell flat. <laughs> so I tried another time <clears throat> and I called them grandfather's values and that fell flat. And it was like, who wants another lecture? And then one year in a stroke of instantaneous revelation, <laughs> I said, hey, would you like to hear some secrets? And now, especially the little ones are like, yes. And so we now call them grandfather's secrets. But they're they're little funny things. I mean, I think they are profound, but in a hopefully a child-accessible way. Um, and what's interesting is that the kids, the grandkids, embellish them and, and sort of think about them, and we talk about them when we get together. And they have stories to tell. They have they have things that happened to them when that applied or when that worked. A quick example is in grandfather's secret number four goes like, and by the way, I got their permission. I, we had a kind of a formal meeting at the last reunion. And I, I said, I know these are secrets, but they might help other people. What do you think about putting them in an article, some of them or whatever? And if there are a couple of them scratching their head. Well, there are secrets, you know, but but <laughs> most of them are like, well, of course, they're if they're if they'll help people, you know, we we'd love to share. So number four, just to give you an example, is good popularity comes from being nice to everybody, and it lasts. Bad popularity comes from only being nice to certain people, and it doesn't. <laughs> doesn't last. 
And so we were, I'm just thinking of one meeting where they were all telling, you know, well, I had this friend who had bad popularity and, and this is what they did. And sure enough, um, there's people that now that popularity is kind of turning against them or whatever, you know, sharing a little story or, you know. And, you know, that one before you go off of it does come up often because kids live in a kind of a cruel world. Um, we have a little granddaughter in junior high right now who's here with us in Hawaii and she does not want to go to school every day because she was gone last year and all those friends scattered and she just doesn't have friends and she just hates it and it is so fun but she still came up with a, a story of the popularity thing and then her sister went to a movie this weekend called Mean Girls or something like that. Yeah. She, <laughs> and, that whole movie was about grandfather's secret number four. Oh, <laughs> they were so mean. Anyway, it was so funny that uh, they do see things. And I think it gives them so much security to see it for what it is. This is just a person that's struggling with their own life right now. They need the attention and so on. Well, and to have learned it with their cousins and to know that, you know, their friends may not get it or may not agree, but their cousins do. And the cousins bonding and feeling, hey, we've got these secrets or these principles that we try to help each other with and so on. I mean, another actually grandfather's secret number two is most kids are waiting for someone to lead them, but they just don't know it yet. And they they always have stories on on that, you know, so-and-so decided... We were just all hanging out and no one knew what to do. And so and so said, well, let's do that. And, it just, you know, we're just trying to build these these qualities within kids. Anyway, off the subject. So that's just another book we're working on with the grandkids. Um, we're really, we would really like at some point to write a book on the inclusivity of families and on on the paradigm that, family is the one thing we all agree as the most important and family means a different thing to different people and there's all kinds of different configurations but we're all part of the family of god and it's the one thing that ought to bring us together and unite us and we've actually um finished a little article on that that's going to be in wayfair magazine this week which is an online magazine published by faith matters if anyone's interested but um and i'll i'll probably mention that on instagram by the way our instagram richard linda Iyer, all strung together is is we're trying to tie it more and more to this podcast so if you don't have time to listen to every podcast you can just look on that instagram see what the title is and see if it's something you're interested in for the week or for that moment well it really is a lot of fun when you think about uh actually should i say it's a lot of fun living with an author <laughs> you are an author you live inside of an author <laughs> i'm telling really... you guys people say i'm sorry honey i'm gonna embarrass you but people you say how do you two write together how do you co-author books and the answer is so simple i, I just i just say you know i'm i'm analytical and i can sort of explain things but linda's the writer because linda tells stories and linda writes with emotion and the things 
if if people were to go through our books and and underline the things they loved, most of it would be what you wrote. I'm there might be a lot of my words in there, but not many would get underlined. <laughs> That's not really true. But I did have fun when the kids were little. I realized that I had to write while I was in the mess because you just have to write, capture it because you can't explain it and you can't recall it even sometimes the next day. So I, I did have fun doing that, um, Joyful Mother of Children. And then I think the most popular one was I Didn't Plan to Be a Witch because honestly, I would I'd lose it so often when I had all those little kids. I was just a frequent witch. And so uh, that was fun because it just captured stories that even when I go back and I haven't gone back for a long time to read them, but I'm sure I wouldn't even believe I lived through all, all that. But I think it is good, whether you're a writer or not, to have a journal to write, to, to express your feelings. Yeah, yeah. You Benjamin forget. Franklin was not was not just saying that to authors when he said that we should all carry two books with us, the one we're reading and the one we're writing. And it doesn't need to be a book that is going to be published. It could be a journal expressing your feelings because you so soon forget. You think, oh, my gosh, I forgot when you go back and read I forgot how hard that was, or I forgot what I learned. And and now I remember that's part of me. And I, I think you really, it, there's nothing, there's no downside of writing in a journal or corresponding with friends or a sister and really getting it in writing. By the way, here's a little anonymous quote that our publisher puts on the bottom of every letter he sends out to us and I guess to anyone else. And it's kind of worth reading. He says, reading is basically staring at a dead piece of wood for hours and hallucinating. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's sort of true when you think about it. But um, reading is so valuable and writing is valuable. So we hope that we've given you some thoughts of what you can do with your own life, whether it's reading something wonderful or or writing your feelings is just so important. So, so I guess the idea we're just we're just paying homage to books today. We're just telling you that yes, books are basically our life in many ways, but books play a role in all of our lives. Let's all salute and give tribute to books and let's remain in touch with each other as we hope our civilization moves in the good directions that are being suggested by so many books and throws out the books that don't move us in those good directions. So thanks for joining us and we'll see you next time on Hires on the Road. Bye till then. Bye.